nosotros queremos construir el socialismo. Nos hemos declarado partidarios de los que luchan por la paz. Nos hemos declarado dentro del grupo de países no alineados, a pesar de ser marxistas-leninistas, porque los no alineados como nosotros luchan contra el imperialismo. Queremos paz. Oh, good evening. Oh, good evening to you as well, my man. Oh, there we are. That was a, there was a loud bang at the start of that recording there, so you better get that edited. That's fine, I'll get out. Don't worry, that will not make the final cut. What are you drinking? Uh, I've got a Yonder Brewing Rosehip Saison. I'm sorry, in English? Yes. A beer. It's a very nice Saison beer. Oh, I have a... seasonal. I have a Well Park's finest. Oh, of course you do. Uh, I, genuinely, I genuinely asked uh, a friend to bring me up some cans the other one, as, he'd, as he'd offered to do from a respectable social distance and they brought me up some tenants so I mean it's I, a safe I bet chose it. Good. I've got a question for you uh, it's your turn exactly that's why I've got a question for you ok it's currently 2-0 to me still on the, is, the trivia front I mean I'm giving you that because I'm can't really fight me. Um, Robert, what I'd like to ask you is, Dr. Joseph Venglos' first competitive match as Celtic manager mm. was a Champions League qualifier at Celtic Park against which team? So, 98-99. Uh, that... Christ, I think so... So, I can't even think who else we got in Europe that year. And was that around about the time we played Hamburg? And uh, who else? This if I give you back. a guess, tell us you're going to get it immediately. So right. I'm not going to I'm not going to do that um, because it's no often we've, we've played teams from this country. No. What I will tell you is that I was at this game. Um, my father took me to this game with two friends who were visiting from America and despite the fact that it was August um, one of her friends turned up at the game with socks on her hands as gloves Good. Um, which I don't know if it's an, it's an American thing I know but it, it was certainly you know it was done that day um, you've got 10 seconds um, probably no, if I was going to guess, it would have, it would have been Hamburg, but that's not right. That's too early. That is. Um, they're from Ireland. Uh, Shamrock Rovers. I'm afraid it was Dundalk. St Patrick's. Oh, it was St Patrick's, and that's uh, three 0 to me. Take that on early lead into the season, um, but that's uh, that's by the by. It's plenty, plenty of football we played. I'm not worried. No. Okay. Well. Should we move on as as we always do and have a wee chat about news this week? Yes, why, why don't we? I've actually not paid too much attention to the news this week because there are only so many statements that I can read. Hard work, isn't it? That is hard work. Well, luckily for you, um, I've, I've paid some attention to, to what's been going on Thanks. As, as best I can. Um, I should, just before we really get into this, um, clarify two things. We are, yet again, 
uh, back out on nonsense recording this podcast during the NHS clap, which you'll hear in about 38 minutes. Good. We're still on here. We're on that long. Um, that's not because we don't have any respect for key workers in the NHS in particular. Far from it. In fact, 50% of this podcast is made up of NHS staff. So that's true. I would say that we're actually doing a bit um, for the key worker community in a different way. Uh, and the alternative, uh, the other point I'd like to make is that my neighbours upstairs, I think, are doing some sort of Joe Wicks or uh, Ashley Banjo workout uh, and seem to, tap enjoy, seem to enjoy tap dancing with Doc Martens on. So if right. you hear any bumps or falls, um, it's no me, it's my neighbours upstairs enjoying their Thursday night. So I, uh, to get you to just get the housekeeping at the road, um, no expected fire alarms either. To, no. to, to give the gist yet, there was a vote on Tuesday that yeah. uh, was basically to, to kind of, there was an EGM, an Extraordinary General meeting of the SPFL on Tuesday and there was a vote held there to see if uh, there should be an independent inquiry held into the SPFL and their conduct um, throughout the, uh, the the last few weeks in the sort of process of trying to um, establish whatever the hell it is they're trying to establish at this point. Um, the, the vote needed 32 of the 42 SPFL clubs, uh, member clubs, to uh, vote for it. But 27 clubs voted against the independent inquiry. Um, yep. I think it was Hearts, Rangers and Stranraer that wanted an investigation. Uh, a couple of abstentions for it, but Celtic released a statement pretty shortly after. It was the first time actually Celtic had really weighed in in this matter. And I guess they just wanted to sort of let things conclude first. Uh, basically saying that they were happy that there was... You know, no evidence of any wrongdoing by the SPFL board or the executive, and and they were they were pretty content with we just drawing a line under this and, and moving on. Um, did you get a chance to see that statement? I I gave it a once over. I did. I it was all right. Um, I was I mean, to be honest, I was quite enjoying. I was not saying anything because everybody else seemed to be making an absolute fool of themselves for the last what month. Every statement that comes out is, seems to be more petty than the last. Uh, their vocabulary is starting to run thin because I think the most complicated word in the, the last Rangers statement was only about six or seven letters long, which is not not great on the old scab- Scrabble front. No, it's not. But the, the tweet we won't will not be bullying into silence. I think Aye, that's uh, that's a cracker, and I'll hang on to that for a long, long time, uh, and that will be be used and, and recycled over the years. But. Um, <sighs> I find it. I know some supporters, and each to their own. I know some supporters um, really quite enjoy the the off the park stuff. You know the, the the sort of the finances and the you know and the sort of these conversations about rules and regulations and that. And that's you know whatever people need today and get themselves to do these times. I understand, but I've never been a big one for the stuff that's going on after park and even kind of in the height of the two thousand twelve liquidation stuff. I, it was very exciting, obviously, but it wasn't a, you know at the forefront of my mind every day. It was just kind of one of the things that was going on, and it was a it was a bonus. Um, I try and kind of focus my attentions as best I can on the park and on the, the playing staff, and obviously there's now Adidas kits taking up a fair bit of my attention as well, waiting for that to, to appear in the next few weeks. But uh, I find it hard to kind of keep myself going um, during these sort of lean football periods with, with off the park stuff. But that being said, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with how Celtic have handled this. I was in the same boat as you in the sense that I liked the fact that we hadn't come out with a statement as such but I think in this circumstance they're probably throwing their support behind the SPFL as a, as a gesture of, of sort of goodwill and saying look you know appreciate that everybody's had their say everybody's been weighing into this matter but here's your two cents on the issue and, and just you know, draw an iron under it as, as best they can so 
Uh, another wee piece of news, if you're happy to move on to it. Uh, aye, why not? Let's move away from statements. Big Musa. You see that today? I did, I read it. But again, it's all paper talk, isn't it? You never know how much to read into it. It's truth. That yeah, that's true. What are, we, what are we looking at? 60 million or something, Man United? Well, the BBC have reported today that Man United have, 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 have agreed a deal for £60 million for for Leon to transfer Moussa Dembele uh, whenever the transfer window opens, which it might actually open as normal. Um, I don't see a reason why it wouldn't, apart from the medicals and you know and transport and that sort of stuff. But um, aye, so it looks as if they're going to get £60 million from Leon, which would mean Celtic get, I believe, about £4 million. I thought the clause is there, that is. Well, they're suggesting that it is, and it has been in the past few uh, uh-huh. deals. If I'm being honest with you, I'm never comfortable with Celtic being a selling club, which is a harsh reality of modern football, but I'm never really too comfortable with it. But if anything, what this does is, is the same as the, the Van Dijk move. It gives us credibility as a club that you can buy players like this from. Yeah. And when you see guys going south, they're always taking that middle step. They're always going for Celtic to Southampton and then Liverpool, you know, for Celtic. To, Tierney was the first one that went to a top four, an old school top four club in England. And I'm hoping that this one here is probably the last of the ones that, you know, that where teams need to, you know, the players need to go to the sort of lower half of the English league before they go to the big boys. Graduate. We're losing out of fortune after back here. I mean, the Van Dyke transfer and the Dembele transfer from club B to club C, if we're club A, is worth £130 million. And collectively between the two of them, we've seen 22 of that. Do you know what I mean? So we're losing out in money because people don't feel like they've a league strong enough to prove these players... Um, before they, they sign them to whoever it is. And I just hope that these moves and these secondary transfers after the least Celtic are proving that we're actually selling on right good players so you should give us all your money and no Leon at Southampton. Yep, absolutely. It's an incredible piece of business from Leon, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, you're making a call it 35 to 40 million euro profit after two seasons. Two seasons. One. I don't even two think seasons. they sold him, but they bought him for 25, mate. I think they got him for 20. I think I saw. Uh, I don't know if it was a mock-up, you know, Twitter's like, but I saw what looked like a an invoice or a, a kind of official document transferring player registration, mm-hmm. and it said twenty-two million euros. Eight million quid in the space of two seasons, and all he's done is buying goals in for them. <laughs> he's been incredible. Been incredible. Do you think he will make it at United? Um, I don't see why not. It's a hard time for them to go in. I think they need. They still need that overhaul that they've desperately needed since Fergie left. Um, and I, I reckon if either they get a manager that Paul Pogwell wants to play for, or if they get a couple of bodies in with the money that they would shift him for, that are actually good players, know the league, good international standard, know the Champions League well, I think they'll do all right. But I think they need about four bodies plus Musa. Aye. Of very high standard. I tend to agree. To be the old man, to be in Manchester United, that I, I certainly grew up with anyway of that kind of level of reputation. Aye. That sounds a bit right to me. Um, I don't know if you'll ever see a manager take control of a club the way that Fergie did now, because I run that business season, you know, they've all got boards and uh-huh. you know, you, you no know about that stuff with Rogers, kind of, um, you know, with Rogers. Uh, Kind of ruling by committee at Liverpool, you know, you had to run signings past a group of people and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I don't know if you'll ever get somebody with a, you know, with, with that sort of pull, but I think you're right, you know, if, if he could go there and do good things, 
I don't really know what making it in Man United means anymore because, you know, they used to be competing for Everton, Champions League and, and the league and all that sort of stuff. They're always there or thereabouts. But as you say, they you know, took a bit of a turn for the Rangers over the past few years since Fergie left. And I'd be interested to see, you know, whether or not an overhaul is what's going to happen or are they just going to gradually try and, you know, reclaim their status at the top of English football. But this is the Man United podcast and I wish Big, I wish Big Moose all the best. Absolutely. So, other than that, any other news that, that you want to touch on for the week? Uh, no, to be honest, I've not. I've, as I said, I've kind of only kept one eye on it at the moment. I've been busy with work and stuff, so I'm happy to move on. Happy to move on. Okay, well, I guess this is the main segment um, for this week then. Uh, I will uh, get into Candy Corner after this, um, and it's been quite a good week in Candy Corner, but before we get there... We're going to talk about our top five Celtic games that we have attended. Yep. And um, that's good. <laughs> I because uh, that's, that's what I've been doing for the last hour. So I've got no there's no there's no rules on this one. There's no criteria for this one. It's just five games that you have attended. I would be very surprised if we have any overlap. Or maybe one game I've got overlap on. Um, I've took the well. I've took the perspective of. Games that mean thing, uh, meant stuff to me, um, and things that you know, as opposed to the big games. So, how do you want to do this? Should we just do one each, starting for five, counting down to one? Aye, charge on, charge on. Okay, you want to start first, then, with your number five? Uh, yep. So, these are in no particular order, by the way. I have so ordered mine one five, and... so I'm just just right, okay. you might want to apply that order to them right now if you can. Uh... Do you want me to start first, and you can do that? Uh, you go first and I'll, I'll keep my... I'll reorder them. Some man, I? Right, go in. I'm going to start with uh, Celtic... Uh, Dundee United 2, Celtic 3. From March 2005. Do you remember what's memorable at that game, Rob? March 2005. Uh, I think you're not big on trivia, but I'll give you a chance to do yourself. Samaras? No, I'm afraid not, mate. Samaras signed for us in 2009. That's uh, Craig Bellamy scored a hat trick at Paradise. Was that his debut? No, it wasn't his debut. Um, Rangers was his debut. Wasn't no, it? it wasn't his debut. <laughs> <laughs> Is there another team you can talk Hearts about? Hearts was like, his debut. Do you want Hearts to talk about any debut, other teams? Or like, you know, was his debut. He's just shouting <laughs> clubs, isn't he? Um, Craig Bellamy scored a hat trick for Celtic, uh, and uh, it was brilliant. And what? Why I put this game in my top five was because, you know, you go to Tannadice, there's two stands, you've got the shed end behind the goal, but then you've got that big tall stand, um, which I can remember, I'm assuming it's named after one of the Thompsons, but it might not be, and uh, it's awful, it's the worst stand I've ever sat in, and I've sat in stands everywhere, and that thing is horrendous. The reason it's so bad is because it's the old, certainly the last time I was there, which was, actually I've not been in that particular stand for a few years, but the last time I was in that stand, it was just wooden seats in front of you and there's just no space between the rows so it's just like a sort of wooden old-fashioned seat in front of you and your knees are in your jaw or you know you've just got no choice so folk tend to stand in there and he scored three goals that day and all three of them were just exactly in line with where I was sitting and it was just it was a beautiful day it was a you know good journey up it was with my dad I was just sort of sat right in the halfway line and all three of the goals he scored were just perfectly lined up for where we were sitting. And I just, it was obviously, it was the season after Larson had left. And I've not left a game as excited um, in a long, long time because after the King left, you're sort of, you know, we had that mediocre Champions League run and you're sort of, 
you know, when you're doing all right in the league, but you're no, you know, you're no running it the way you used to. They certainly did the season before, and you knew there was a, a sort of challenge one. But that was sort of Bellamy's coming out party, I thought, and he was outstanding that day. And uh, and I was just, I remember leaving that game just delighted in the bus back down the road because I thought, okay, we've got somebody now who could, if no fill those bits, then could certainly do a job for us and see us out for to, you know, to the end of this season. And of course, when Bellamy joined, he was a superstar. You know, he was Shearer's strike partner at Newcastle and I was doing it at Selig Park that night that he signed and I was only 14 or 15 and you know, everybody's singing about Graham Souness and all that sort of stuff because that's why, you know, he'd come up the road because he'd, he'd obviously fell out with Souness <laughs> and he had a real, just to kind of a wider point on, on Bellamy, he was a right, he struggled with something, he was a right bitter guy, you know, and I loved that about him, he had a real chip on his shoulder, he was, he was ticked off at everybody and everything and I remember listening to a podcast with him about two or three years ago and he was talking about that Celtic team and he was saying uh, he's never seen a team like it before. But after they dropped points, they would go into the dressing room and just, you know, knock lumps at each other. He says, guys have got each other by the throat, you know, against the dressing room wall, sort of gone ballistic with each other. And it impressed me that he came into that dressing room, you know, a men's a men's dressing room, big players and, you know, sort of just fit in. They bother him was just one of them really quickly. And when I left the game that day, I was delighted. And that's why it's number five in the top five all-time Celtic games I've attended. Good. That's a, as good a reason as any. Thanks very much. I was trying to get a, I was trying to, I was going to give you a side ferry riff there, but I couldn't fit it in. You never, you never told the story right, mate. Crack <laughs> on. Uh, I've only kind of haphazardly rearranged these, but this is definitely the least favourite of my favourite games. Uh, Manchester City at home. Why? The, because for the first time in a while, at home anyway, and it was, I know we'd been absolutely humbled by Barcelona the two weeks before, but we, I honestly went and I thought, they are, we're going to do them, because they, they just had that kind of swagger about them where they thought, like every other kind of English team that ventured north, they always think that they're, they're better than what they are, and we're not as good as what we are, and there was a real feel about that, especially with Guardiola, and aye, I just thought we were going to have them, they're not going to like it. They're not going to like the crowd, and we're going to like the noise, and right enough, what a game! It was just end to end. It was frightening. It was a cracker. Um, I think, I think you're right. I think obviously we got a doing in Barcelona. I think that doing in Barcelona was nothing to do with how good or poor that team was. I think it was kind of standard Rogers, um, in Europe. You like to sort of maintain his style of football, and 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 if he had that one shortcoming, I would say that. He sacrificed the club's reputation in Europe for his own means. And what I mean when I say that is, I, I think it would have been practical to go away to Barcelona and just say, you know what, we're not playing a three-five-two with two wing-backs, we're playing a back-five. And we're going to defend, and we're going to tuck in, and if we get beat 3 no, that's not the end of the world. Or if we can scrape a point off this, that's not the end of the world. It's a great result. Um, Rodgers wanted to go to the new camp and try and play expansive football. And... He did that on many occasions. He took us away from home in Europe, and I can understand. And in some respects, you kind of need to appreciate the, the sort of stubbornness behind that. And you know, the, the guy thought we had a way of playing football, more capable of going toe to toe with these teams. But I just, I think the way Lennon approaches it is much more practical and and works better for us. And and in, that game against Man City at home was so good because for me, for the first time in a long time, it felt like we were competitive in Europe. 
and you know you're seeing Aye. Big Misses coming out party a few weeks before Astana, but that night was the one where you know he really, you know, really came to the fore and and was outstanding. Um, but that's, that was a crack. Oh, I, I remember again. I keep feeling. I feel as if I get a story for every every game here. But Guardiola was talking about after that game that the players were sitting in the dressing room, the Man City players, and he said that they were just sitting laughing in dead silence. He says they were all that tired. He said we've never played football at that pace before. Miss Guardiola in ninety that. minutes, it was just up and down and up and down. It was phenomenal. And I, I, keep, I remember Israel Craig Gordon who that shot for Gundogan, Gundogan in the last minute. Aye, you know, it was just it was unbelievable. The whole game was just it was a cracker. And aye, the highlight reels. Big Eric must be fizzing. It then barely stole that first goal. Eh? <laughs> aye, he'll be the first to tell you as well on Instagram. Sure. Okay, so my number four game is another one that's more, more personal, um, and I'm going to take a long way to get to this, but uh, I read, I think it was in Celtic, one of the Celtic Minded books a few years ago, but I, I need to figure out who it was that said it, because I want to get credit to the right person. Um, one, of the, one of the writers was speaking about their Celtic story, and he, this guy was talking about his Celtic story, and his Celtic story for him wasn't just going to games, it was the people you meet and the things that you do as a direct result or consequence of your relationship with Celtic and your love for Celtic. And my Celtic story, and I've, I've not spoken about this on this before, but everybody who knows me will be rolling their eyes the minute I say this. Um, my Celtic story has been really intertwined with Nakamura and, and Nakamura joining Celtic and playing for Celtic, so much so that I've ended up living out in Japan and, and stuff like that. Not because of him, but you know, through stuff I've, I've found um, following him and, and Celtic. I went to Japan with my school, I went to yeah, St Rocks, I went to Japan with my school in, in the 30, I think it was the 31st of August 2005 or something along those lines. Maybe it was a few weeks earlier. But anyway, it was the day after Nakamura signed for Celtic. So when I got to Japan, every front page and every newspaper had Nakamura holding a Celtic shirt in the front of it. In fact, I only had enough time to go and get Nakamura's name on the back of my home Celtic tap, the first Nike tap, um, before I went to uh, to Japan with the school. So I always liked him, and I kind of—I remember sitting in a plane flying to Japan, trying to understand what his name was. I couldn't pronounce it, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke. <laughs> yeah, no ball. Couldn't pronounce it. But three months later, in a weird twist of fate, my my two best mates, uh, growing up, the, the twins, David and Dean, we never got to go to games together because I could never just get one ticket for them. I had to get two, so. I t- Whenever I had a single ticket, I had right. to get another pal because I couldn't invite one or the other. But for some reason, right. in November, I'm sorry, the 26th of October 2005, we managed to get uh, three seats together at Selic Park and we ended up watching Nakamura score his first free kick for Celtic in a 5-0 defeat of Motherwell. Oh. Stan Petrov scored a hat-trick. I can't remember who scored the other one. But Naka scored a free kick, and if you look back on it, it was almost identical to where he scored the free kick uh, a couple of years later against Manchester United. It was almost the exact same range. But the three years, because obviously I'd been to Japan and I sort of had a bit of a soft spot for him, and I joke with the boys for ages, he's going to be some player, he's my favourite player. The three years just went mental. You know, it was like the second goal in a 5 0 game against Motherwell at home, the three years on the crowd, the three years on the stands, absolute limbs for the three years, you know what I mean? Just talking, the minute he got the ball and put it, did he hit the free kick? The three years were like, he's part of that. And it's just a really good memory and a really good sort of, you know, something I think back on really fondly. And obviously, something to share with your mates is always a good idea as well. Absolutely, mate. That's Number four. 
Number four, uh, I spoke about it briefly before, Valencia at home in 2001, uh, where we took what would be La Liga champions to extra time and to sudden death as well. We were unlucky, but that's another one that stands out to me. It's just been a magnificent display of sheer football. Like, the first half hour, I think if I remember right, Celtic looked like... Like honestly, look like Brazil in the, the seventy six or whatever this World Cup that people going about. Um, I it was absolutely frightening. They could not live with us at all, and we had chances to win that night as well. We had chances. Um, Canizares was in the form of his life. Um, and he he saved Bill Harden's penalty twice because <laughs> he he came off his line, and the ref made him retake it. And Phil Harren hit a target again, but he saved it. Whereas, of all people, do you know who missed the penalties that night? Who else? Bobo take one of my head He might have taken one, but he, I know he, I know he didn't miss. Who missed it? Who missed? Henrik Larson. Should know that. That should have been a trivia question last right. week. You might have got a point. Ah, no, well, don't worry, mate. It's plenty, plenty of it had. Uh, and Stan Petrov as well. Put it well. Put it wide. Two Mr. Dependables at that era for Celtic and they, they uh, fluffed it. <laughs> Although Larson did score an absolute screamer to, um, to level the tie. It was some very similar to uh, Hooper at Ibrox. <laughs> One of the ones where it, it's boomeranged it's right about the far corner. And it, it really had to. Uh, it was a cracker, man. He took it first time as well. It was a peach. I can't remember who toe poked it through him, but somebody toe poked it through him and he just he took it first time at AJ Box. And it was just curved right around. Canizares in at the back stick cracker that uh, Valencia team I think was the team that either wanted to get to the Champions League final that season didn't they 2002 uh, probably I they won 2000... 2002 was by a Leverkusen uh, 2002 was by a Leverkusen at Hamden against Real Madrid was a Dan Volley so that was four months after they'd been in the Champions League final Um. Because uh, let me think, because that was Ben Benitez's first season, me right. Valencia. So it might have been the year no, after. Not because two thousand one, they played AC Milan. It was a Bayern. It was AC. It? it was Bayern Munich. They played. I'm sure they played Bayern Munich. I'm sure they played Bayern Munich. Um, but they were four months removed. Because right. remember at the time no. they had big John Carew and that playing up front for them. They were a serious outfit. Aye, aye. But I remember in all the Ayala, Aymar, Vicente. Unbelievable, man. Aye. Um, aye, so that's, that's a cracker. Your team, aye, that, come, I think that was the sort of, that season was the sort of peak, would you say? Anil's peak sort of Champions League season? Well, certainly not, that was the, the UV one, uh, that was a cracker, but, but that season... Ah, uh, UV. What a, what a group. <laughs> right, I'll move on to my number three then. Eh? Uh, Five one game, Celtic Park. Suns put the threes. Uh, can I can I just uh-huh. stop you right now? That's my number three as well. So, so for the interests of let's, uh, let's 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 share this together then. Um, <laughs> I didn't see you that day. I seen you at half time, but I never I, seen you half time before the game. After. So I've got a, I've got a Beltrea story about this. If you're if you're interested, my mate, always. So Nick Jong Bean uh, for South Korea. He told me a few weeks before that he was coming. To, he was living in Berlin, and he told me he was coming to Glasgow to visit. 
So he told me he was coming to, to Glasgow to visit on that weekend. So if you remember, you and I went for a pint on the Friday night. Right. Yep. No, I tell you, like, on the Thursday night we met him. And then we arranged to meet on the Friday. This was back in the day when you and I had no responsibilities. So we... So, <laughs> so now that we've got many more now, but we've got more. Um, so we, we met him on the Friday and we're walking about Glasgow and it's howling with wind and rain. And my dad usually goes for a pint on a Friday and I was living at home at this point. So I text my old dear and I said to her, listen, can Pablo and I come up with a few cans on the Friday night? You know, he's got his hotel in the tune, but uh, can he come up and sit and get a few beers on it? Of course, no problem. So him and I got to my man dad's house and we sit in the living room and we sat and watched, if you remember, the, the Beersheva game was just a few weeks before this. We sat and watched the Beersheva game and just had cans. That's all we did. We just sat and drank cans and watched the Beersheva game. And he was asking loads of questions about Selig and... He's a football man, so you kind of knew what he was talking about, but he didn't really know much about Celtic coming to, to Seoul in South Korea. So eventually, my dad comes in, uh, scooped, and uh, he's like, to me, you got that boy a ticket for the morrow? <laughs> and I'm like, no, uh, I've no. And he's like, uh, right, can you get him one? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, I don't think so. And he's like, right, two minutes. So he's on his phone, he's on his phone, and he's like, I've got you a ticket to Pablo. And a wee man, Pablo, sorry, I should say, Kyongyo, he's known as Pablo. He says to Pablo, I've got you a ticket. And Pablo's, ah, oh, brilliant, man. I can't even believe it. He spent the whole night drinking cans with me watching the Bears Sheva game. He just can't wait to see Celtic play. But he's leaving on the Sunday morning. So, I'm ah, oh, brilliant, dad. How do you manage that? And he's, ah, oh, I've got it sorted. Pablo goes to the toilet. My dad turns around to me and says, I've not got him a ticket. So, <laughs> so I say to my dad, I'm sorry. <laughs> And he says, either you need to get him one or you're ready to get him yours. But that boy's not even here without going to that game tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, thankfully, oh, a bit of positive I remember pressure, one of the boys then. we used to work with, uh, Mark. At the time, Mark was in, a, was in pretty bad Aye. condition. Um, and I just took a complete chance and sent a few text messages out to folk and said, any chance of a ticket? Of course, Mark text me back, yep, mate, I'm not feeling good. I was leaving at the last minute, but you can come and get it tomorrow. You can, you can have the book. That's right, you had to do a pure mission to, was it no, Port Glasgow or somewhere? I had to go to Pullman. It's no port, it's... So the oh, game oh. kicked off at 12 and at 7.45am I'm on the train out to Pullman which because I had to go into Queen Street and then get out for Queen Street to get there for nine and then get back into Glasgow for, but I don't know, about half ten or eleven so I could get a pint before the game. And I mean, all the while as I'm doing this, going out to get Pablo a ticket for the five, what ended up being the 5-1 game, he's lying in my bed because my man's decided that he's not staying in the hotel, he's staying in our house and I have to sleep on the couch. <laughs> and he's sending me photos of his piece and sausage for lying in my, in my kit whilst I'm out there oh, hangover at Pullman at half seven in the morning trying to get him a free ticket for a game but I've got to say I was there was no better, no better person to share, share the day with he, he couldn't believe what he saw um, he couldn't believe the size of the crowd he couldn't believe the size of the stadium and I remember when we left he, he was sort of talking about Big Musa again you know two weeks after the Astana game when we really saw the best of him he was talking about Big Musa and how he, he looked a bit like Drogba you know, he just reminded him and how he played right. that day, and that's just that was just uh, you know just destroyed him. For, 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 you know, actually, I think they stayed in it for the first half an hour or so, and then Sally just went up another key, and that was it. You know, they were off key. Oh, aye. There's, do you want to hear my short Can notes on that? It can they consist entirely of mm-hmm. Musa, Sanderos's career ended, and Barton found out. That, that's it. Have you listened to the Joey Bar- uh, Barton podcast I sent you a few weeks ago? No, I'm keeping me 
was that much going it's on? It's amazing. Like, Joey Barton's one of the guys I, who... I've heard sounds... Uh, Joey Barton's too. one of the guys who's intelligent enough to be able to formulate a sentence, but not really clever enough to understand fully how he thinks and feels about things, you know? Um, he's like one of the football players, and I always think that the telling thing about Joey Barton is, if you listen to him speak, he hates the media. You know, the media portray him awfully and make him look terrible. But of course, the first thing Joey Barton does when he hangs up his boots is go and join the media. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like he's it's bananas. But he, 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 this podcast is really interesting because he he spends ten fifteen minutes talking about that game and how he felt so much pressure on him um, before that game because it was him against Scott Brown and. You know, that famous photo of him in the lineup where he's looking down, apparently. I didn't really, I've seen the photo, I didn't really think it was very famous. You know, it seems like he's attached to a bit more significant state than anybody else. But he says that before that game, he's in his head, he was just thinking, you know, don't get sent off, don't get sent off. The press will have a field day if you get sent off. Um, and it's just, I would encourage you to go and listen to it, mate. He's, his thoughts are quite interesting. He, uh, he talks, he talks well, but he talks some amount of nonsense. And it's just, you know, oh, even the night before sure. the game, you know, they stay in the hotel. I don't know which one they're in, no, say like it near Edinburgh, but they stay in a hotel and he's he's slaughtering Tavernier for for getting a haircut the night before the game. I mean, what's that about players getting haircuts in the hotel and that? And I'm not suggesting that, you know, that's fine or it's no fine or whatever it is, but how players choose to, you know, prepare themselves for a game, it could be anxiety, it could be you know, just a pre-match ritual, it could be anything. When you look at things in a cold heart, kind of light a day, you can criticise anything that people choose to do, but he's slotting a guy for getting a haircut, you know what I mean? <laughs> the night before a game, like, it's it's just, it was ridiculous. I would definitely suggest you get a listen, mate, but his insight on that day in particular is astounding. Like, he's just, he's, he's all over the place with it, and, uh, you know, he, he blames, um, he talks about how Halliday was supposed to get picked to play alongside him in midfield. And how gutted he was the day before when Harry had to get dropped because Warburton thought that um, somebody had leaked the team. So he started uh, Crankshire and right. Windass next to him in midfield. So he blames yeah. that selection change on Rangers losing 5-1 because he feels like Windass and Crankshire yeah. were only defensive well enough. But what I don't think he realises is that Andy Hardy's played against us a handful of times now. And I think the Celtic fans have some his name. Better than the Rangers fans have, you know what I mean? Like it's just it's it's mental stuff. It's how did you know come on that day? How did you go on that day? Yeah, chorus. I think so. But definitely worth listening. He slaughters Warburton, he accuses Warburton of being scared before the game. Um stuff like that. It's definitely worth listening if if this game is your number three in the five one. It's gonna be on the top five. Right. Number two. Anyway, number two for me is Five one at Ibrooks. Um, again, we went into it well, last week. It's just a, from all round two weeks ago. I from all round from beginning to end, it was just such a great day. For the moment I got up in the morning, had my breakfast, met you, got a couple of drinks before the game, headed in. The game was obviously ninety minutes of absolute bliss. I actually found a, a video of um, I recorded. Sinclair's penalty uh, on my phone I, I, it's the only one from that day where the, the <laughs> audio works for some reason my old phone the mic was knackered but when I was recording that one you, there's limbs it's brilliant man it's so good um, and then we had a right good night out after it as well it's brilliant beginning to end 
There's a chance. <laughs> I, might have, I don't know. At all, man. <laughs> no, man. I think past maybe seven o'clock. It's oh, that's when it started to get a bit hazy, a bit bloody. That's a good day. I agree with you. I've not got that in the top five because we spoke about it a few weeks ago. Um, it probably would be and should be, but I had a slightly different experience for you because if you remember, I had to organise tickets for that. It's 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 a theme for me that obviously it's someday coming for somewhere to see a game. You know what I mean? So. I'm quite fortunate to pals elsewhere, but that was another one. Oh, I mean, really lucky that was another you, eh? one scrambling about trying to get tickets for someday. And if you listen back to, to episode two, you'll 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 hear the sort of full experience uh, of that day, the 29th of April, 2017. <laughs> but there's a few better days than that. But it was a cracker. Um, but my number two, if you don't mind me moving on to that, I've got uh, Celtic Leon. No, that's good. Uh, in the Champions League group stages in 2003, and the reason I went for that game is because. That was an absolute tanking we gave him. And that was prime Leon, Paul Le Guin, you know, consistent Champions League quarter-finalist, semi-finalist. And it just sort of typified that Martin and Celtic team that we would just book teams about. We could just have our way with them and just kind of do, you know, do what we wanted with them. And if you remember, that was a season as well that, that Liam Miller, God rest his soul, um, broke through and just... You know, he just looked like a world beater. You know, I think it was the only season we got him actually, wasn't it? He was Oski uh, to Man United. He only had one year. That's right. If you look at that Leon team that we played, you know, you're talking about even even the sort of defence, obviously the goalkeepers, one of the greatest goalkeepers ever, you know, Coupe and goals, but Revel, yeah, and uh, even the, the first, if you ever uh, remember this guy, one of the first sort of seriously. Uh, World class Indian uh, players of players of Indian descent, I believe. I, I think he was from one of the islands. Actually, I don't know if he was necessarily at the end there, but um, what a player he was! And you know, just that. Of course, not to speak of you know guys like Janino playing for them as well, and uh, you know they were just mega impressive. And the I just the way we turned up that night, Sydney Govu, you know, another one, Elbert up front for them, you know. Ed Mielsen, the guy that eventually went and signed for uh, for Barcelona, just did some. They just did some team, and we just made it look, you know, we just made it look as if it was a standard business, business. as usual victory at home. And of course, the fact team. that uh, Liam Miller scored the header, you know, the the chip in for Larson, and uh, it was just I it, was a, it was a cracker. I just I loved that night, and it just sort of typifies when I think back on that Martin O'Neill era, because obviously we'd have been, well, certainly I'd have been. And then he all came in about eleven. So you don't really recognise the you know, magnitude of a lot yet. But you get into twelve and thirteen and you, you kinda of start to pick up on stuff. It made sense and obviously it was six months after Seville. We knew we had a seriously good team at that point. I thought that was a, a cracking game. Enjoyed it greatly. You'll have seen a, a young Michael Essien yeah. as well. And a young Claudio Maluda. Right. There you go. Yep. Two of them are well, subs sub appearances. There you go. What did they do? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder where the end of it. I know. So what have you got for me? Uh, number one is uh, 5-0 at home to Rangers to win the league. 2018. April 2018. Oh. Again, another one that's just... If you're going to win a league... Although 5 0 at Ibrooks would be good, but it's better at home because you've got <laughs> you a crowd there, celebrate it all with you. 
Aye. Uh-huh. We all celebrated together. And that was another one. It was another brilliant day out, just all in. Um, I don't know. Did we go to... We obviously went back to the Crown after for a yeah, couple and then... I would imagine... I was in an aeroplane. Uh, I over Russia somewhere. That's right. Aye, PC looks like it was born. Aye, what a day, man. Back in the Crown for a few and then back to my mum and dad's. For the evening, <laughs> dude. <laughs> for the evening session. <laughs> for something to eat, then. Hell, I don't. By something to eat, I mean a sandwich and a packet of crisps for the co-op between the train station and the pub. But aye, man, that was unbelievable. Just couldn't believe my eyes. Honestly, couldn't believe my eyes. We just kept scrolling. And that could have been, have been eight, aye. nine. It really should have been. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> asked for the weekend. Um, Sheldon so had the watch party for that. Did you see it on Saturday? Sydney did the watch party. Aye. It was uh, five nil up. Um, by the way, the NHS is about to get a clap any second, so we're sorry and just get, you know, get it in. Um, at five nil up, somebody sent him a message saying, "Do you regret that? Do you think we take out there? And his response was, "Nah, five was five was no bad." So I think the players were kind of, you know, <laughs> content enough just to sort of, uh, you know, to, to scale pitches five nil at home, which isn't a bad result to be fair when you think about it. Um, you, you like to think there's not a level of professional respect from a fa- like from us fans, but the oh, I said here a few weeks ago, and when I've watched this for some reason, I've got it on my telly. It keeps playing on loop. Um, when I watched this game back, I think the only thing that stopped us faking them and absolutely doing that night was maybe Rogers' relationship with Marty, because I know that Rogers and Marty knew each other through Reading, and uh, you know Rogers was kind of pally with him, mm. but you know I could do anything. There you go. You happen to move on to my number one? My number one of course, mate. is Kamala Away, 2007, Nakamura won a league. Um, right. I don't think I've ever seen scenes like that in a Celtic game, considering the fact that we had about four games left to play <laughs> that season. <laughs> you genuinely would have thought that going into that game, that, you know, I remember, I remember being on the bus walking into the uh, walking into the stadium, and folk were kind of like, oh, "It's not a big deal." I think we, had, we still had to play Falkirk away or something like that, or you know, we had a few games left to play. Um, it wasn't the last game of the season, and yet we went in there, and when he scored that goal in the last minute, the place went absolutely ballistic. And I've never celebrated a Celtic goal like that before. Like, and I don't know why. I don't know what caught the imagination. I don't know what you know, sort of. <laughs> what led to kind of the scenes that that, that um, brought about, but it was just it was bananas. What I remember about that game before the free kick was big uh, Hesselink scoring um, the first half. But then when Kilmarnock scored, and I've got a mate, a good mate of mine who's a Kilmarnock supporter, and, and he admits to being one of the people who stood in the Kilmarnock end near the Celtic fans singing, "We're only here for the party." Um, <laughs> after the Kilmarnock equalised, <laughs> um, so it was. Uh, it was one of the games where, you know, you're sort of, you're sort of going, like, well, it's not going to be this week, it's not going to be this week, and then getting a the free kick. And this is at the time, this is peak Nakamura. This is six months after the Man United goal. You know, this is, you know, a few months after he did it at St Mirren. Remember, we get the free kick in the last minute away to St Mirren, and, you know, he reported he dived. And he, you know, it, it is genuinely at that phase <laughs> where it looked like, you you know, any free kick within range was a penalty. You know I mean? You were always going to be there or thereabouts. And he gets the ball on. 
of course, everybody's seen it now. You know, it's he just wraps it right around the outside of the wall and into the, <laughs> and into the far corner. I know, it's, the thing is, it's not even it's not even the best free kick. It's just it catches the goalie off guard. So it, he just disguises it so well because he obviously has that in his arsenal to be able to put it up and over any wall. But he's putting it round it, at maybe knee high, and it goes in. Brilliant, man. Well, that's the thing about it. It, it wasn't knee high. It was... Now, again, I mentioned earlier on that obviously I'd kind of followed him after they left Celtic when he went to Espanyol and then when he went back to, to Yokohama F. Mayer. Obviously, we'll speak about that in another, another episode, but I did have the privilege of sitting watching him practice free kicks. I think you did as well. Um We used to train here in Japan. They used to have a, a dedicated training ground where fans could go in any day when training was on and just watch Yokohama F. Mayer and us training. I used to go in quite frequently when I was living over there and he used to spend a good hour, hour and a half after uh, training with a youth team goalkeeper or you know one of the coaches in goals and, and just ping free kicks and that by the way that Marinos town where they trained was the windiest place in the world that he would just ping free kicks for an hour and that uh, it's, you know, two points in this one time I seen him practice a, a goal that much and then he scored it that weekend in an actual game but I'll come to that another time and uh and this one here, we're talking about. I've seen him practice this very free kick, and it's uh, very free kick, and it's right in that area between a cross and a shot. And he just seems to have nailed that. He just knows how to do it. He just knows how to sort of. He puts it in at head height, but just aim for the back stick. Aim for the back stick, right? and it just as you see, it's sort of through the goalkeeper's Gary Combe. It was in goal for them, um, and he wasn't a bad keeper, but he just made, it, made him made him look that. Um, Celtic team that day. Was Caldwell Kennedy, Presley, and O'Day, a vintage back four. Um, Nakamura, wow. Lennon, Gravison, and Hartley in midfield. And up front was Hesselink and Riordan. And Scott Brown was an unused sub. Only signed for us a few months earlier. <laughs> Just laughing at uh, Big Tommy Gravison. Hi. All right, la. <laughs> Don't shout at the shooter. Don't shout at the shooter. <laughs> so I was. Uh, it was a cracking. Good. Aye, yeah. that's a belter. Sorry, I could just hear some screaming outside my door. I didn't know you were there. I didn't know you were at that oh, one. Oh, I was there. All right, don't worry. It was back in the day when we used to get the two stands at Kilmarnock. So it was, uh, it was good times. So I'm inquiring there. I could just hear somebody screaming outside in my street. I hope they're screaming about good. how much they love the NHS. But if not, then well... they might be screaming for the NHS. It <laughs> 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 be one of the two. Um. Aye, so there you go, we'll top five. Aye, I've got my five is Dundee United with uh, barely any away. Then I've got five in the home for Motherwell. Got five one game at Celtic Park. Celtic Leon, and my number one is Celtic come on away. A quickly recap yours. Aye, uh, Man City at home, Valencia at home in 2001, with penalties, uh, even though we lost. Well, won the, won the leg, lost the tie. Uh, Rangers 5-1 at home, Rangers 5-1 away, and <laughs> Rangers 5-0 at home. <laughs> okay, Candy Corner. Candy Corner. Candy Corner. Insert, insert jingle here. Insert jingle here. Uh, I'm sorry to say that, but I uh, recorded another podcast tonight. I hope you don't do the duck there. I don't hope you don't feel we're just smudged. There's no label. There's no label on our relationship, mate, so it's fine. It's fine for now. But for, for what it's worth, um, it's not as good as that. It was. <laughs> it's not as good as that. But also, um, it was. It was a close idea. What's happened is over the past couple of 
few weeks, as I mentioned before, were participated in a donate ticket campaign, uh, in which we're affording fans the opportunity to donate what they would have paid for a ticket for the game at the St Rocks, um, at James McCrory Park, against whoever we'd have played. I've gave fans the opportunity to donate that £6, uh, and they have, 500 times over. Um, and we've got pushing four grand now, um, sitting to, to get exchanged into the club's bank account at some point in the next few weeks. And that's just donations from fans uh, that's going to basically replace those games that would have taken place otherwise. So that's things like gate money, you know, beer money, food, um, shirt sales, whatever it, you know, whatever it is we could have we could have done up at the, the stadium on match days. So what happened was a few weeks ago, um, the club sort of met the target of what what was going to be the amount we'd need to replace that money. The club secretary Andy was telling me that you know they figured about two thousand two thousand five hundred pound, um, you know, would have been ideal. But the the amount to go over that would have been six home good match days. Um, you know, successful match days with a good crowd of six or seven hundred. So what they did last week was they, they had a donated ticket, um, sort of a day, and they donated all the money that they gained from it uh, to local COVID-19 um, community response um, projects. So that's just, you know, a few of your supporters have got together and driving vans about and just donating, you know, delivering food to people who need it or socially isolated, uh, people who are classed as high risk or are shielding or whatever it is. And just going in and just make sure that everybody's got um, enough to get by. So that was a massive success. We raised 500 quid uh, in that game on Saturday. And the last game of the season for the Donator Ticket um, campaign is this Saturday. And what we're going to do this Saturday is we're going to relive the Wishaw home game from the 14th of May 2018, which is two years ago today, uh, where about six or 700 St Rocks fans turned up on a Monday night to see the club beat Wishaw 2-1 in game promotion in the Championship for the first time in 40 years. Class. Um, and what we're going to do on Saturday is we've got all the players who played in that game, some of the supporters and the committee members and the management team to submit short videos, just recalling their memories of what happened, you know, what games they remember for that season in the night. Andy and I sat down at a socially respectable distance and recorded uh, a podcast together where he spoke about his memories of that whole season as a manager and then, you know, culminating into that final game. Um, so that that will be at 8.15, so about 10 minutes from now that will be released. Good. I look forward to getting slaughtered after my pals from a Glasgow Uni accent, because uh, I did try and keep the PC uh, and, and above board. But uh, this Saturday is the final game of the season, and it's against Wishaw at home. If you tune in to the St Rocks Twitter page on Saturday, what you'll find is throughout the whole day, uh, constant updates on you know players' memories, on fans' memories, on you know, highlights for the game. We're going to do the full 90 minutes of the game as though it's actually happening and we'll just, you know, post up the videos and that sort of stuff from, from it. Uh, and that'll be our final donate ticket uh, game of the season. And what the money for this weekend will do is basically allow us to sign players in the summer. So we've been quite open and honest with the fans. The first few weeks is about cutting the rain cloth. Last week was about donating to charity. This week's going to be signing on fees or potential wages for uh, players uh, for the new season. And we're going, into this chat, we're going into this new conference system where it looks as though we're playing games against teams that will be competitive. So I think that it's a good time to you know, try and get a few quid in the door and, uh, and see what we can do. We also have a few prizes. Um, so anybody who donates to donateticket.com forward slash rocks uh, is eligible to win one of four prizes. One of them is a, a James Rigori print by I Know Jojo, a Glasgow illustrator who, who gifted 25 prints to the club. But the prints are amazing. We're only raffling off uh, one of them this weekend. Get the chance to win a home St. Rock shirt, an away St. Rock shirt, or a PC Lustig 
Hoidy badge, um, which is up as well. Uh, and that went up tonight. And I can, I can tell you for a fact already that we've got a fair few donations in, uh, off, off the back of that and a fair few tickets purchased. So, nice right, good news. Always looking positive right. at Candy Corner. Well, where can people find that then? Donateticket.com forward slash St. Rocks. Or if you just go to Twitter.com forward slash St. Rocks Juniors, the link's in the bio and you'll see it all weekend. A link. And then the podcast will be there. Oh, the, the, the podcast will be up there as well. So everyone's on the, the best place to be for this either on the St. Rocks Facebook page or the St. Rocks Twitter page. And as I say, the podcast was uh, really Andy's idea. It was just a kind of means of, he just asked if I could support by hosting it. Um, and it's really just a means of allowing the supporters to keep up to date with what's going on. So, you know, we're going to get Stevie Mullen on in the next few weeks, who's the club uh, president. Uh, we're going to get Paul Carey, who's the manager, on, and he's the club secretary. We'll just talk through the next few weeks about what's happening at the club, because fans are out I mean, If you don't go to games, you don't hear what's happening, you know, in the loop. So we'll just give everybody a chance to, to hear what's Absolutely. going on. And we'll do that via SoundCloud, which means it's accessible for everybody else as well. So it's nice and simple, but all things happening in Candy Corner. And uh, and if you can donate a ticket this weekend, uh, you can do it. That'd be magic. Get to it. Aye, brilliant. On this day, so you, aye, you did. You, it's hilarious. You mentioned a result there that was on this day as well, and in, uh, in Candy Corner. And I was, ah, you just went on a bit too long for me to segue, segue into it. But <laughs> you're pulling it now. back, aren't you? We're here now. Uh, back, pulling it back anyway. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Good thing. So we're uh, what 14th of May on this day in 1988. 1988. Celtic beat Dundee United 2-1. To secure the double in our centenary year. Yeah. Frank McAvenny double. Another 90th minute winner. Do you know who scored the Dundee United goal? Um, I should do because I read the match report earlier on. Um, it's an absolute blast. Remind the blast. Kevin Gallagher. Kevin Gallagher. Unbelievable. Kevin Gallagher. Um, of Blackburn and France 98 fame. 98 fame. This is one of the <laughs> weird ones where... Obviously, this game took place before the years were born. But if you ask uh, speak any, for, speak for yourself, you know, mate. If you ask any reputable, I was, I've got two months. If you ask any reputable, uh, self-proclaimed Celtic da, what their favourite game is, they either say Love Street or this one, um, and, and yeah. you know that that's the uh, that's the two biggies. Quite right, by the way. Ninetieth minute winner. Something Um I watched the highlights yeah, for this right. earlier on, and what a Celtic team. <laughs> That's my over, overwhelming memory. Uh, big Roy Aitken <laughs> playing for us. Uh, Paul McStay at the time as well, and Frank McAvenny obviously yeah. playing for us. And all, um, you know that's Tommy Tommy Burns. Burns, you're talking about. Seriously, seriously good Celtic players. Um, my old manager's birthday last year it was his fiftieth, and for his fiftieth, I go up in the match program for this game. Uh, I managed to find it on eBay, an original match program for that game. And it cost a few bucks, but um, he was absolutely delighted. But he kind of comes from that generation that just this game is just the, the game for them. You know what I mean? That was the that, that was the one. And I'd love to be able to speak more factually about it and sort of offer more insight. I don't know if you're the same as me, but I just know not a clue, mate. Other than just know who scored and I watched the highlights, and it looked like a terrific Celtic team. Yep. Yeah, with the you know aside for the fact that they've done the double in their centenary year this year, and you know that's the day. Tommy Burns made that famous quote, you know, about, about they're there and they're always there. And God bless yeah, every one of them. You know, that's yeah. a that's a you know incredible quote for an incredible Celtic man. And um, when you see the images of that day and just the sun splitting the trees and Hamden just looking absolutely 
sensational. Brilliant. Um, it's just a game I'd love to have been there, um, but obviously, you know, it was <laughs> a while before I was getting a ball. Um, Un- unlucky. unlucky. But it, it just looked like an absolute cracker. It's sad that that was the last thing they won for seven years. Um, we right. never won anything for seven years, and it was the last league we won for ten years. Um, because obviously the Huns went on and did anything in a row after that. But um, but what a way to go! You know what I mean? <laughs> Be the double we a last minute winner. In the, in the, in the a last minute winner, man! Aye. Superb. Uh, you mentioned the other one. Another couple. Say, aye, aye, there's another one. couple of. Uh, so there was there's a good, a bad and an ugly. Uh, there is a good from 1983. Okay. Where we won 4-2 at Ibrox. Right. Charlie Nicholas. It's his last game for us before moving to Arsenal. Uh, Charlie, there was Charlie Nicholas scored two penalties that day, and McGarvey as well. Frank McGarvey scored. Wonder if uh... and McAdam as well. Do you know? I had a quick look at that, and I can't think. Do you know who McAdam is? For is that Tom McAdam? Potentially. I don't know. I need to double check. They're going to be busy, busy, man. They will be dribbling onto the. Celtic t-shirts as we speak or Celtic polo shirt as well we speak. you know what pull us up pull us up on Twitter we've got a Twitter account so I would love to, love to I wonder what Charlie uh, uh, so that, Charlie Nichols before he took his penalties I wonder if he was sitting there thinking yeah <laughs> he was probably wearing his glasses because he needs them <laughs> to drive and <laughs> some manner uh, so that was a, that was a good the the bad even though it was a it was a win it was against Dundee in 2003. We won 6-2, but we conceded a goal in the 90th minute that Martin O'Neill and Neil Lennon still yep. probably believe cost us the league that year. That one goal, a lapse in concentration in the 90th minute the ugly is, uh, of course, Rangers in Manchester in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> Exporting culture. That's all really. Culture with a culture, aye. Um, yeah, of course. By the way, for the twenty first of May, we are absolutely spoiled for choice. That's, I know. From next, know, from next Thursday, we yeah, are anyway. absolutely spoiled for choice, and there's a reason why I left yeah, about my, my top five games. Um, I'll, I'll uh, leave it at that. Um, but absolutely spoiled for choice um, next Thursday. Good. good man. Anything else you want to add? All right. Well. Um, no, 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 no. I would just like to say thank you very much to everybody and anybody who's listened uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, I'd like to wish you and your family all the best in getting through this pandemic. Hope everybody's safe and well. And I'd like to encourage you all to wash your hands um, at the given opportunity. And try not to touch your face. Try not to touch your face as much as well. Apart from that, um, not much to say. I think my guidance is clearer than Boris's. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave you with that and we'll, we'll see you next week. <laughs>